0: Good morning, saints. Good morning. How y'all doing? Y'all excited about today? I know I am. Hallelujah. We're releasing our passion today. Amen. Somebody say, I'm excited. In the rain, I'm excited. Hallelujah. Jesus is here, and we are excited about what he's going to say. That was a great time of prayer led by Pastor Joshua. Thank you, sir. That was good. 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 People in the spirit worshiping the Lord. I love it. All right, let's get right into our lesson for today. Um, We're still in our series called Thinking Bigger and Better that the Lord gave me for the first part of the year. But the particular message that I'm doing is thinking bigger and better about yourself. Um, I was going to try to rush it, but I feel constrained by the Holy Spirit. Do not rush this. This is why I've called you to teach my word. It's because I'm going to do things and I'm going to bring revelation to the people. And I don't want things rushed, you know. And so I thought, okay, no problem. So we're not going to be rushing this. I mean, if the Lord wants to go three months, we're going three months. <laughs> you know, however, whatever he wants to do. Because I believe he's going to bring out a lot of things. And um, I was a little surprised that he wanted me to start talking about thinking bigger and better about yourself. I would have assumed that I'm gonna preach thinking bigger and and better about God. But he said, no, this is what I want you to start with. So this is is where we're at. And we'll see where the Holy Spirit's gonna take us, amen? Amen. Let's just believe God for great things during these teaching moments. So um, the first thing we said, this is point one, is when you think bigger and better about yourself, you know what you can do. So we went over that um, already. Number two, we said, when you think bigger and better About yourself, you will value your life. And then I ask you to write this down. And remember, I want you to take notes because the note taking that you learn more actually. When you value your life, you will attach your worthiness to what you want. When you value your life, you will attach your worthiness to what you want. That should be in your notes. All right? And then we begin to talk about Rahab and how she thought bigger and better about herself from Joshua 2 and Joshua 6, and then we um, spoke about the Canaanite woman last week, and we went a little in-depth on her um, from Matthew 15, 21 to 28, and instead of me going to my next point, the Holy Spirit um, basically ended the message with the other version of the Canaanite woman from Mark 7. You guys remember that? If you he wasn't here, go let back and listen to the tape. And we ended off talking about faith and desire, faith and desire, because in this passage here, um, Jesus ends the statement um, by saying, then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Then we look at Mark 7, and it says, for this saying, your daughter is healed. So both passages bring out a different aspect. One says desire, one says saying, and we concluded last week's message talking about you're you going to accelerate in 2024, you're gonna get the things that you want in 2024 when you express your desire and your faith. You have to tell the Lord, you have to know what you want and you have to declare what you're going to get, all right? And so that's how we receive deliverance, healing, miracles, provision, whatever it is that you want, baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, signs and wonders, whatever it is you want, you have to desire something and then you have to declare it or pray about it. It's the heart and mouth connection again. Because where do desires come from? The heart. Amen. It's the heart and mouth connection. If you look at the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible constantly talks about the heart and the mouth connection. What connection, guys? The heart and the mouth connection. You got saved from the heart and the mouth connection. You believe the Lord Jesus Christ, and with the heart, man believes unto what? Righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto what? salvation. So the heart and the mouth connection got you saved. The heart and the mouth connection is what's going to get you anything else that you need in this life. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So now there's one last thing that the Holy Spirit um, told me to bring out about the Rahab and Kenanite. Now, what I, when I'm getting my messages together and I'm sitting, I think, I meditate, and then I let the Holy Spirit download thoughts to me. Um, at this juncture, my ministry, um, I do some research, but it's usually after the Holy Spirit has downloaded what he wants me to say. So when I got to this point of, um, value your life, I actually had said it a different way. I actually said, um, attach your worthiness to what you want. And the Holy Spirit said, no, don't let that be the point. This is the point value your life. And then he immediately gave me the picture of Rahab. I don't really preach on Rahab. You guys know that you hear me preach for a long time. So I said, okay, that's interesting. Rahab did value her life. Because when he gives me a principle, I just let my mind think of everything in the Bible that talks about it. And then I see where the Holy Spirit wants to touch on. And so he said, Rahab. And then, okay, I sit and I meditate. What else are you saying? And then he showed me the Canaanite woman unbeknownst to me until this week when I was meditating again over my notes, I didn't realize, I wasn't thinking, I knew Rahab was a prostitute, but I didn't realize or I wasn't paying attention to the fact that Rahab was also a Canaanite like the Canaanite woman that met Jesus. Isn't that interesting? I didn't, I hadn't put the two together and I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> and I knew what he wanted to say, but I didn't realize Rahab was a Canaanite. I wasn't thinking about that. I just think about her being a prostitute. But the Lord, Holy Spirit wants me to bring up this part. Both of them were outsiders. The Canaanites were considered worthless people, outsiders from the children of Israel, from the people of covenant, the people of promise. And the Lord says it doesn't matter where you came from, what side of the tracks you were born on, even if you are an outsider, if you believe that you are worthy and you value your life, you can have what you want. Amen. Amen. These women were told, <laughs> they, they, they were not supposed to get the, the deliverance that they got. Rahab got deliverance. She's a prostitute. Of all the people of the Canaanites, she should be gone. But she made a deal with the spies and she was rescued. But not only that, if you look at typology, um, there was a scarlet thread she put out the window that represents the blood of Jesus. That even the person, the worst person, the person who's doing the worst, the blood of Jesus covers them and delivers them. Amen? Amen. It's very similar to. What happened? Think about this. The scarlet thread, the red outside the door, death is going to pass over you. Yes. Does, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. Exodus. Thank you. The Lord said, put the blood on the doorpost and the destroyer will what? Pass over you. Everybody else is going to get killed, but you. Everybody has got killed um, in Jericho, but Rahab and her family. Come on, somebody. Yes. Hallelujah. Sister Carol said, oh, yeah, you like that revelation knowledge, right? Nah. <laughs> Glory to God. So, does it make a difference what side of the tracks you were born on? Does it make a difference about your culture? Does it make a difference if you were born with a spoon, a silver spoon in your mouth or not? If you want it, you can have it if you will believe it. If you believe bigger and better about yourself. Rahab did, the Canaanite woman did, and they got their deliverance. They got what they were seeking. Somebody say, thank you, thank you, Jesus. And not only that, what they got not only blessed them, but it blessed others. The mother came for the daughter. So now the daughter, the mother don't have a crazy daughter, demon possessed. So she good now. Yeah. Ooh, I can relax. Let okay. me chase my daughter around like a nut. Now the daughter's delivered and she's at peace. Rahab, she comes into Israel. She knows, I can't stay no prostitute up in here. (laughs) They're going to stone me to death. She settles down and gets married. and, And starts a beautiful lineage that ends up being the lineage of Jesus. Rahab, was King David's great-great-great-grandmother. I don't know what great it is, but it's one of the greats. That's his grandmother. King David. Worshiping David. The prostitute was his grandmother. The Canaanite was his grandmother. The outsider was his grandmother. It's a beautiful picture that the outsiders are now in. Come on, hallelujah. Praise God. There's another scripture the Lord wants me to give you. From the New Testament to confirm this under the New Covenant. Colossians 1.12, you guys know this, you should know this. If you don't know this, you should, you should memorize it. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. To be partakers of the inheritance of the what? Saints in the light. Now who are the saints in the light? We are somebody I say I am a saint in the light we are the saints in the light so the bible says colossians 1:12 giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light so the saints in the light have an inheritance every believer has something that has been given to them by God the Father. And you are to receive it. Amen. Amen. Does anybody know what our inheritance is? What is it that Father God has given you? Salvation. Okay, continue. Eternal life. All right. Healing. Healing. Beautiful. Financial prosperity. Thank you. So if you're not financially prospering, you're not receiving your inheritance. <laughs> you may know you have an inheritance. You may be looking at your inheritance. You may even be begging for your inheritance, but you're not partaking of the inheritance. Huh? A good destiny. Beautiful. It's part of your inheritance. You were born with a destiny as a human being and now as a believer you get to walk out that destiny you can't fully walk out the destiny unless you're born again you can get around it you can maybe live out some of it as an unbeliever but you can't live out the fullness of it unless you're born again the bible says we are his handiwork which he which which he created in Christ Jesus and ordain good works that we should walk in them, should walk in them. But you cannot walk in them unless you have a spirit living inside of you. Amen. There's some sinners that surround their destiny, but they're not living in the perfect will of God. It's impossible unless the spirit lives within you. Hallelujah. Okay, so anything else about inheritance? Dominion. Beautiful long life come on somebody protection Protection. hello saints there's all your inheritance there's all things that you should claim and expect from father god justification declared righteous that's your inheritance the forgiveness of sins Not just when you get born again, after you get born again you mess up, God is your right to be forgiven. You don't have to beg God to forgive you. He promised to forgive you as part of your inheritance. Just say, Father, I confess my sin. I did wrong. I messed up. I judged myself. Forgive me. All right. I forgive you. There you go. Screw along, kid. (laughs) Amen. Father, what is your will for my life? What is your purpose for my life? Tell me what my purpose is. This is your inheritance to know. Boom. Here's the answer anybody, any believer walking around not knowing why they're born, they are not partaking of their inheritance. Amen. And there's no need for that when the father's already provided the inheritance and said, I want you to partake. Matter of fact, not only do I want you to partake, I've qualified you to partake. Now, this word qualified comes from a word in the King James that says made meat, E-E-T. We don't use that today, it means suitable, so, this where, um, so the New King James says suitable, but I looked this up word many years ago, from a, um, not just from James Concordance, but from um, um, Zodiades, who, who was a Greek scholar, and I believe he's passed away now, and I had his books and stuff, and one of the words he said, uh, one of the definite, he said, competent, and then he used this word, worthy, and he wasn't a charismatic, he wasn't a word of faith person. <laughs> He, he was just a Greek scholar, and he said this Greek word literally means worthy. So we are qualified, we are competent, we are worthy to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints of life. Isn't that good news? Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. And so, sorry to the grace teachers who say that you are not worthy, you don't deserve anything. Uh-huh. No, nah, I deserve it all. No. <laughs> Jesus told Brother Hagin in a vision. When he saw him and he fell at his feet and he said, oh, I'm so unworthy. And Jesus said, stand up on your feet. He says, you are worthy. He looked him right in the face He said, you are worthy to look upon my face. Because what he said was, I'm not worthy to look upon your face. He says, you are worthy to look upon my, uh, upon my face. He said, my blood has made you worthy. Amen. Somebody say, the blood, the blood has made me worthy so you need to go around talking about I'm unworthy oh Jesus no 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 that's false doctrine (laughs) false humility I am worthy oh if you say people are worthy they're going to get a little conceited no because you know it ain't you that made yourself worthy you're not worthy in and of yourself you're worthy because he made you worthy because if God says you're not worthy guess what you ain't worthy (laughs) if God says you're worthy guess what you're worthy it's all about what he has said that's why Paul said in Hebrews 13, he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So our bold statements, our great confidence is based on what he has said. Amen. So you have to worry about arrogance stuff because it doesn't come from you. It comes from him. Like John Says, don't just boast about the fact that you love God without acknowledging that he loved you first. Not like you came along and say, oh, I love God first. No, God's like, no, I loved you first, Nick. <laughs> and, your, and, your, and your love to me and your love is a response to my love. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Come on, say, thank you, Jesus. Are you still excited? Shout, I'm excited. Hallelujah. All right, so let's now go to point three. When you think bigger and better about yourself, you take life more seriously. This is another point that I didn't plan to give you, but the Holy Spirit said, Give it to you. He actually spoke those words to me. I'm like, Oh, okay. I said, I think people take life seriously, but he said, No, <laughs> preach it. <laughs> I said, Okay. I tell you these things just to show you how supernatural our teaching is at Winters Church. Amen. We're just looking up sermons online. <laughs> oh, that's a good sermon. <laughs> People do that. I mean, it's better than nothing. But my God, why have the Holy Ghost if you got to do that? I ain't doing that. I got enough sermons I could put on online. I have everybody preaching what I'm preaching. <laughs> I thought about it. I said, nah, they ain't getting my stuff. <laughs> Yeah, preachers, preachers load up sermons for other preachers. Nah, go study. <laughs> when you think bigger and better about yourself, you take life more seriously. So the father is calling Winner's church to take your life more seriously. Now, again, I assume that you all took your life seriously. And the Lord said, no, teach it. I said, okay. So I'm sure some of you do, but I guess some of you don't. Those of you listening, I guess some of you don't (laughs) take life more seriously. So I was like, okay, so what do you mean by this? And then immediately came to my heart. Ephesians 5. Go there. Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 17. Some of you know this passage. All right. This is the passage where Paul talks about. Um, walking in love and forgiveness and being filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in Psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Remember I mentioned that to you um, last week? You know, worship must come from your spirit. Praise, thanksgiving, all that songs of the Spirit must come out of you to the Lord. And then he goes into taking life seriously. And in verse 15, he says, See then, see then, see then. What does that mean, see then? Does anybody know what that means? If somebody says see then? See yeah. after. Yeah, but what does it mean? Because of what he's saying before? Okay, good, but what does the word see then mean? What does that phrase mean? Pay attention to Yes, make sure, pay attention. In other words, this is your personal responsibility. It's not your mama's responsibility. It's not your daddy's responsibility. It's not your kid's responsibility. It's not your pastor's responsibility. It's not your best friend's responsibility. It's your personal responsibility about what I'm about to say. See then that you walk circumspectly. This word um, circumspectly comes from a Greek word akribos and it means exactly d- accurately and diligently if you look it up it also says the word perfectly but let's use this definition exactly accurately which is synony- synonyms and the word diligently so when you think of circumspectly you need to think of exactly and diligently so i say exactly And diligently. diligently. What does that mean? That means God doesn't want you off target. I'm kind of living my destiny. I'm kind of living my purpose. No, 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 no. That's living beneath your privilege. When you think bigger and better about yourself, you realize that my life is very valuable. My destiny is valuable and I'm going to live it out. I'm not here to be in the rat race. I'm here to live out what the Father has designed for me to live out. Amen. 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 And to live diligently, which means that you cannot be lazy about your destiny and your purpose. And all of us have been, including the great Apostle Maurice. I mean, Pastor Maurice, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. You know, let's get excited. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I say exactly, exactly. and what Accurate. exactly, accurately and diligently. Do you know why sexual sin is like stupid? I know we've been on this for a minute. It's going to be a real clean church. <laughs> you know why? Because. It messes up your accuracy. It messes up your diligence. How do I know that? Well, the Holy Spirit just gave me a scripture just now as I was standing here. What does Paul say in Romans 12, 1? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, what, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Ain't no big deal. Then the next thing he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. Oh, and then he says that you may what? Prove what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. That's why the devil tricks people into sexual sin. Because if I get you sinning sexually, you're going to be thinking about the will of God and walking circumspectly. You're going to be thinking about your lust and your passions. So God says, first up, put your body down. Take control of that flesh. And then fix that mind. And then you begin to walk perfectly, accurately, Exactly. This is why Paul addressed sexual sin so much in his epistles. Not because he was all up in everybody's business, not because Paul got nothing else to do. He's a single apostle. We're about everybody else's sex life. <laughs> That's what people probably think about me. You ain't married, you worry about everybody else's sex life. My guy, my girl, I don't care. I really don't. But because I am the father's servant and his son with a message. I have to address it. We have to. If not, this church would be a nasty church. Leadership, everybody would be sinning. They would. They would. Pastor Patrick told me, if this church was not living right when he came, he probably would have just been wild. Did, did you not tell me that? It's what he saw that caused him to conform. Amen. And then guess what? He would have never got the princess. Come on, hallelujah. (laughs) Jesus would have never confirmed it. You're wild, you're not worthy of her. But you're controlled, now you're worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sexual sin messes up everything. Yeah, you're having fun, it feels good, but it messes up everything. So anyway, if you want to walk circumspectly, get your flesh under control. Get your flesh under control. And let me say this. Now, this is going to touch on me. But I'm going to say it because it's the Bible. You got to take care of your temple. You can't eat like crazy. You can't be overweight. Amen. You got to take care of yourself nutritionally. Because when you don't, it interrupts you walking circumspectly. Amen. So putting your flesh under and presenting your body as a living sacrifice is not just sexual sin, it's also how you're eating. And whether you're exercising and taking care of your temple. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost, right? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. We got into this mess because of food. So food is always going to be the thing Satan's going to use to knock people down. There was a great evangelist who, um, by the name of Jack Cole, and Brother Hagan says you can name his name because he's dead now. He was a mighty evangelist, one of the greatest evangelists of his time. During the healing revival, he would have big tents, 20,000 people show up, all kind of miracles. Brother Hagan was going to his meetings. Deaf ears open, blind eyes open, all kind of cripples, just crazy, but he was a fat guy. And um, he had an issue with money. He had an issue with his love towards his brothers. And he had an issue with food. And the Lord said to Brother Hagan, he's going to die because he will not judge himself in these three areas. Now, do you know what it means to judge yourself in 73 areas or any area? It means to say that I'm wrong, you're right, I will stop. I'm wrong, you're right. I will stop, and he says because he will not judge himself, he's going to die in these three years. Now, when it comes to the love of the brethren, um, brother Higgins said he was a kind of minister that he was very popular. You know, these other little, you know, like more smaller evangelists—they try to come to these towns and have a meeting, put their little tent up, and try to have a little something going on. He'll come just, 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 just to do it and blow them out the water, knowing that a fellow minister is here. Oh, I'm coming to town. Put a tent up. Everybody left the other guy's meeting. <laughs> he would do that. That's just sad. "Is like, oh, yo. And he would just, he's like, yo. He would do that. He wasn't walking in love towards his brother. And the Bible says, because he won't judge himself in his three, God said to Brother Hagin. And he died at 38 years old. 38. And he was a miracle worker. You can be anointed. You can be appointed. But if you don't judge yourself, you will be judged. Come on, somebody. So he wasn't working what? He wasn't working what? Circumspectly. He didn't think bigger and better about himself. He didn't take life seriously. His life. This is serious business. The devil's trying to get you. And sometimes what happens is, um, let's say, just use the food thing. Many times people have bad eating habits because of how they were raised. Most, if you were, most people were raised eating good, they stay with that pattern of eating good. Most people were raised exercising, seeing their parents exercise, everybody's exercising, they're going to exercise. So now what happens is you have to renew your mind and say, My mama didn't do it, my daddy didn't do it, my aunt died of this, my grandma died of that. I'm not going to be another one of those people. You have to take yourself seriously. They had a problem with sweets, I'm not going to have a problem with sweets. They had a problem with all this fried food, I'm not going to have a problem with fried food. I'm going to take care of myself. Some people, they come from families with high salt diets. And you have to say, you know what, this is too much. This is not good. Oh, listen, I'm black, I need to, I need to taste this food. <laughs> I ain't trying to eat no white people's food. Well, the white people are living longer than you. Hello, somebody. This is good food. But is it killing you? (laughs) Cut some of the salt, cut some of the whatever, and live. Amen. Amen. Some of you, you you came from families where they love meat. It is eat meat, eat meat, eat meat. And everybody knows if you have a healthy diet that you can't have an abundance of meat. You know, especially red meat. You got to chill. You got to, you know, even, 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 Anything in excess is gonna hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. Some people love, I love ice cream. Yeah. You, we know. <laughs> Jeff said, I bet you're, you're watching TV right now and eating some ice cream. And actually, I had just finished doing that. I was like, wow, I know my pastor. Bum. <laughs> yes. So I have to constantly tell myself no. Sometimes in prayer I've said, "Lord, I've done wrong. I judge myself because I do not want to be judged. I'm wrong. I got to chill." Yesterday I was out with my godson, one of my godsons, um, Ethan, and we went to. He wanted something. He wanted Popeyes. I was like, "Oh, that's interesting," because usually we go to a mall. He wants Chick. Is it Chick Fil A? Yes. Chick Fil A, <laughs> and. Um, I got Chick-fil-A and I got a salad. He says, oh, you got a salad today. I said, dude, stop. I've got a salad before with you. And I'm arguing with this kid. <laughs> but he's like, oh, you got a salad today. I was like, ah. <laughs> But kids will tell you the truth. <laughs> they, that mouth has no filter. Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> The innocence is amazing. So yeah, I had a salad because I started seeing, okay, I didn't have enough green in my diet. You gotta judge yourself and say, nah, this is not good. I gotta start adding some more greens, Chilling this, chilling that. So this year, I wanna encourage you, even if you, you know, let go during the holiday season and, you know, come back and, and get yourself back in line. Not just for the summer, but just as a lifestyle, eating right, doing right, amen? It's going to save our lives. Okay, so walk circumspectly. Um, um, Now, and then it says, because not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. That word redeeming the time, another translation says, buy back the time or buy back the opportunity. Another translation says this, make the most of your time. So when you take life seriously, guess what you take seriously? Your time. If you don't take your time seriously, you're not going to walk circumspectly. And some of us don't take our time seriously. Look, like, ah, I got 24 hours. Ah, I don't do it. No, 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 no. You need to take your time seriously. You need to measure how much progress you're making with your time. Mm-hmm. You need to look at each day each week, each month, and then also start looking at the years and said, have I made progress with my time? Now, Pastor Patrick, could you please get up and share with them that dream you had about the years? Because it's, it's very sobering, but it's something that's going to help us walk circumspectly.
1: Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so I had a dream, uh, maybe last year, I think it was. Recently, but I had a dream where I was in a warehouse.
0: I'm going to say next to you so the, the tape can pick okay. it up.
1: So I was, in, I, was in this, I was in this warehouse inside. It's like a storage room. And inside the storage room, I saw boxes. I saw cabinets. And I saw boxes on the shelves. And um, each, uh, each row of shelves represented the years in my life. Um, so this, I saw several years. I saw a whole bunch of boxes in the middle, but in particular, I saw the year 2020, and I saw that it was empty. Hell, like I had one box on it. And when I woke up from the dream, I knew the Lord was showing me that that particular year, there was an expectation from you, and you didn't give that expectation. There was something, you had an assignment, and there were several things I wanted from you, but you didn't do it. And the Lord, the Lord began to deal with me about each year. I'm judging you. I have an expectation. And it's interesting, it was around that time where Pastor were was saying that, that the Lord has an expectation of you concerning how you live your life, concerning what you're doing, and he's actually measuring your years. He's measuring your growth. He's measuring your days. So meaning that, hypothetically, if you're here listening to this message, after you hear this message, he's going to expect something from you after, you hear, after this message is heard. Amen. And it was very sobering. He, seeing a dream, it was a, It was harsh, but it was was done in love. But you could feel that pain, that pain of of regret, because the year is gone, and there's no way I can go back to that year Mm -hmm. and make up for it. Mm -hmm. And I knew, but thank God that He showed me that dream, revealing to me what to do. And, and, you know, Amen. 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 Yeah.
0: Thank you. Praise God. That was given to Him so that He could walk more circumspectly, so He can redeem the time. Making the most of his time because there is an end mm-hmm. and there is a judgment. Yeah. Judgment with Christ is not about whether you want going to heaven or hell. That's what he settled. If you had to with Christ, you made it. <laughs> it's about you giving an account with a life he gave you. 90 years. How many souls do you have for me? 90 years. How many people did you help? 90 years, what did you give to my kingdom? And all of this is going to echo for eternity. Everybody's so focused on everybody who's going to hell and being in hell for eternity. Let's focus on what you're going to get rewarded with or taken from you for eternity. In heaven. In the new heaven and new earth. Amen. Amen. You better be glad I'm your pastor. (laughs) Jesus, you better be glad. You better be glad because i'm setting you up so that when you stand before jesus you can have a big smile on your face and i'll be crying in regret amen Amen. Amen. walk circumspectly redeem the time for the days are evil Amen. amen take your life seriously praise god